Well, good evening. Y'all sound like you love the Lord. Amen. You sing like you love the Lord. Amen. I just want to tell you, I just appreciate you from the bottom of my heart. Most of you know my family, but I want to introduce them to you. This is my wife, Dana, and uh, our two daughters. If you notice, many of you that have been following our family, we used to have a big broad here. We used to have uh, seven little chicks, but uh, they, they, those chicks grow up and become roosters and other things, right? they got things to do with their lives, and so our family's kind of spread out right now. And uh, we have our two daughters still at home with us, and this is Kendra, and this is Brisa. So those of you that's been a while remember them being like this. They've grown up quite a bit since yeah. then. But we are spread out. We have a family, uh, that, uh, our oldest land, and they live in Maine. And uh, we have a grandson that we just got to see. We got to fly up to see him, and, but he's about to have a second birthday here shortly. And then uh, we've got a grandbaby daughter that they had, and, and uh, she's going to be, what, four by the time we see them? Nine months. <laughs> see, I'm off. Anyway, we have, we have a granddaughter that we've never seen. Uh, we'll, we'll be seeing her FaceTime, but uh, we're looking forward to seeing them at the end of March. But, uh, you know, they do grow up, and then many of you remember our, our blonde-haired boy, Reagan. Uh, we moved him to Florida, and uh, that's where he is now. And if you know, he's, he's the animal kid. He loves animals, and, and God, he worked for a pet store uh, for well over a year, and he's in Florida. He's in, he's in uh, second heaven there because uh, he shows pictures of alligators and stuff that he's got to see, and so he's, he's enjoying it there in Florida. But uh, we appreciate as you read our newsletters, and we try to keep you posted what's going on. But I just want to say a special thank you, church, for being with us all the way through your prayers, through your financial support. You've been a blessing to us through all these years, and we couldn't have done what we've been able to do for the Lord's kingdom if it hadn't been for people like you. And so we just want to say a big hearty thank you. Um, God laid it on my heart, and brother, if you don't mind, matter of fact, could I have one of those copies myself? Um, this is going to be an outline for tonight and the next three messages tomorrow, because uh, I felt led of the Lord. Those of you that are familiar with the way I do things, I usually would be here with a PowerPoint presentation to talk about creation or some kind of prophecy topic. And um, uh, at the end of, uh, well, just about, a bit, about three weeks ago, my hard drive died on my laptop. And yes, shame on me, I didn't back up about a year's worth of information. And uh, some very important presentations I'd worked on, our financials, or a lot of things were on that laptop that were lost. And there's just no recovery unless you're willing to spend a lot and a lot of money. And it just doesn't make sense. It's not good stewardship. So God, as he's allowing me to rebuild things through my uh, gaining knowledge again, because we're always studying, aren't we? That's a part of it. We always are learning, and we should always be in that mode. God laid on my heart, because of a lot of things going on around us, a lot of things we're seeing in our society, a lot of things that are taking place in our world, the whole notion of um, why we fight. Did you, did you know we're at war? Uh, it, it is a war, and unfortunately, I think a lot of Christians, as Christians, we, have, we forgot who the enemy is. We, we don't know what we're fighting, and we've gotten confused, and the old enemy has been very good at doing that. And as uh, a matter of fact, many times we've seen uh, Christians fighting each other. And uh, so I felt led of the Lord to, to go this direction. And, of course, the Lord, he has the prerogative. He can change me tomorrow if he wants to. But I've given you an outline for, the next, or for all four messages there that you can follow along. But I'm going to ask you, if you would, uh, stand with me as we reverence God's Word. First, I want to give you the theme verse for all four verses. 
And then uh, we're going to call this the Why We Fight Conference. The Why We Fight Conference for the next four messages. And first one is 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 12. It's on your paper. But I'd also like you to go ahead and turn a page over, over to 2 Timothy chapter 2. And then we're going to look at verses 3 and 4. And then we'll make our prayer and begin the message. So first we'll begin with 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 12. This one I'm going to ask you to, sing, to say that with me audibly. I'd like you just to say this whole verse with me as we read it together. 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 12. Fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold on eternal life, whereunto thou art also called, and hast professed a good profession before many witnesses. Then turn over to 2 Timothy chapter 2, verses 3 and 4. It says, Thou therefore endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. No man that warreth entangleth himself with the affairs of this life, that he may please him who hath chosen him to be a soldier. Let's bow together. Father in heaven, Lord, we just thank you so much for your word. It's powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword. And Lord, it speaks to the heart. And tonight, holy God, we ask through your Holy Spirit that you would speak to all of us through your word. God, we feel like we know we've already met with you this evening through the music and through what has been spoken and said. And God, we need you. We are a needy people. So I pray that tonight you would fill this spiritual hunger that we have tonight and fill us with what you want us to have, God. And that when we leave this place, we would not leave the same as what we came in tonight. Thank you, almighty God. We praise you in the precious name of Jesus Christ. Amen. 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 Thank you. Please be seated. <clears throat> Years ago in World War II, and I believe that was a very, very important war. Um, I don't know if you realize how close we came to speaking Japanese and German, but that could have been the case here today, but there were some brave men and women that, that fought a very valiant war that was a necessary war. War is not always the best answer. Sometimes it becomes, and it should always be, the last response of anything we do. I had the privilege of serving my country. I was in the Air Force for eight years, and I got to serve in Desert Storm overseas. And um, I've seen war up front, and I know what the ramifications can be with war. I would see, uh, I would never see a soldier that would just die to go back to war, you know, because it's, it's not an event that we look forward to or should ever look forward to. But we are in a war, Christian. And I think we need to be reminded, in World War II, the Pentagon produced a seven-video series that was produced for the soldiers called Why We Fight. And the idea behind it was it was to be a morale builder, to, to make the soldiers understand the importance and, and the enemy and why that they were fighting. But the films were so well produced. As a matter of fact, you can still get them today and view them. But the films were so well produced from that time period that uh, the president felt like it would be good for even the American people to watch these films. And so it became part of many of the theaters and a lot of the places where people would go and they would see these films, Why We Fight. I think tonight we need to understand why we fight. This passage that we just read, first of all, in 1 Timothy chapter 6, talks about us fighting a good fight. 
Christians, we fight a good fight. It's an important fight. It is the most important fight of all fights that have ever been fought. We need to understand why we fight this fight. And we want to encourage you through this to understand as we look over in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verses 3 and 4, the very fact that we are soldiers for Christ. You might even go there and underline that. Underline that in verse 3 where it says, be a good soldier of Jesus Christ. Now the Apostle Paul is talking to his son in the ministry, Timothy, and he's giving him encouragement. And tonight I want you to understand that these words are to encourage, to exhort the church of Jesus Christ to go out in the mission that God has called us to. And as we look in the messages to follow, we're going to see some things that will help us, that will challenge us, that will motivate us to go out and be what God has called us to be. But we are, first of all, a soldier of Jesus Christ. The moment that you placed your faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, you enlisted in God's army. And you're a part of the most important army that has ever been assembled together. And by the way, that army is not complete yet. God is still assembling it together. And maybe somebody in this room tonight that has never placed their faith and trust in Jesus Christ. Listen, I'm just going to level with you. I'm coming after you. I want you to be saved. I want you to know the Lord. I want you to know the preciousness of salvation. To know that if you put your head on your pillow tonight, that you can rest assured if something was to happen to you, you'd be in the presence of Jesus Christ. You know, last, last weekend, we did a gun show. What? A gun show. Uh, we had a soul-winning booth at a gun show. And uh, I, I, we, got to, we have some missionaries living on our property now with Amazing Grace Mission. And uh, they've been doing festivals about every week. And we joined them last week at this gun show in Abilene. And uh, by the way, they, they, the people that run the gun show were so thrilled that they wanted to do a soul-winning booth that they gave it to them for free. They didn't charge them. They said, matter of fact, you can have the whole year. We do four of these a year. you got all four. We're going to have a booth there. Because they see the importance. And I want to tell you something. I went to that gun show. My wife was talking about this. We felt the most secure we'd ever been in any place. <laughs> and it's not because there was all these guns around, but because the people around that place gave us a peace. You know, there's so much unrest in our world today and in our country, and we think about um, people that are actually warmongers and things like that, but hey, I didn't see any of that with these people. But this is the problem that I saw. Many of these folks did not realize that they weren't saved. You ask everybody that comes by the booth, oh yeah, I'm, I'm saved. I'm saved. Well, there was two teenage, excuse me, 17, 18-year-old young ladies that came by the three doors. Many of you have seen the three doors, know what we do with that. And they opened them up, and it gives us the opportunity to ask them. I said, well, let me ask you a question. Are you 50%, 75%, or 100% sure that when you died, you're going to go to heaven? They both said, well, I'm about 50%. Well, how would you like to be 100%? Well, yeah. And so they immediately were willing to come follow me back to the back table where we shared with them through the Word of God, basically I used the Romans road, but they could see it in big print Bible for themselves, what God's Word says a person needs to do to be saved. And those two young ladies prayed and received Christ. Amen. You know, folks, that right there tells us the work of a soldier. And they enlisted in God's army. And folks, tonight, if you're not saved, I want you to be saved. I want you to enlist in God's army. As I said, he's building his army, his wonderful army. And I want you to notice some things about the battle that we're in. Number one tonight, I want you to know 
the battlefield. Number one, I want you to know the battlefield. For the believer, the battlefield is life itself. Have you ever noticed how many different ways life turns? We were just discussing 2020. <laughs> wow. That's one of those you couldn't wait to get behind you, right? And uh, for many people, I mean, for us, it was a blessing because we got a granddaughter in 2020. Uh, so, I mean, it doesn't mean everything was rotten and sour in 2020. A lot of great things happened in 2020. But for, there's been, for many folks, it's been a, it was a very difficult year. Hey, folks, it was a part of the battlefield that we're in because life itself brings battles. And one of the purposes of this life that God gives us is to harden us as we go through each and every circumstance that we face in this life that we become an enduring soldier. That we can make it when we go through the hard times. You know, uh, uh, you know they say that when you go to war, the, the, the troops that have been hardened to battle are the ones that fight the best. They're ready to go, and they can go on because they've had to go through all the other things. The shock of war itself, the fact of seeing bullets flying through the air, having to experience these things for the first time, it, it makes them not ready. They're not prepared, but yet those that have actually been through the conflict, they've been hardened to the fact that this is real war. And tonight, Christian, as you go through different circumstances in your life, the things that you're going to face, the hardships that you face, understand that is a part of God's causing you to become an enduring soldier. Enduring and becoming a hardened soldier. You know, tonight, there is this false notion that when you become a Christian, all your problems go away. You know, there are preachers that will get on the television and they will tell you, listen, you, you come to Jesus, you get saved, and, and man, life will be precious and wonderful and you won't have any problems from now on. But folks, that's a doctrine right out of the pits of hell. You know, we're not going to tiptoe through the tulips. Tiptoe through the tulips. I think that was the word I was looking for. We're not going to be doing that, folks. Life is not a bed of roses. There are, matter of fact, if you become a Christian, sometimes life can be even harder. Uh, when I was in Kuwait, I came to become friends with a, a man named Muhammad. By the name itself, it lets you know what he, where he was raised and what kind of country he was raised in. He was raised in Bangladesh. And he became part of the contract food services that was feeding us as troops. And as I got to know Muhammad, I found out that he had become a Christian in Bangladesh. And when he did, his own family beat him with a cane. They, they hated the fact that he had left his Muslim faith and now he'd become a Christian. So he had to leave Bangladesh and he found a job with this food service. And, and um, you know, he accepted the role that he had found himself in when he enlisted in the army of Jesus Christ. He had to endure with hardness the way he was going to be treated, folks. And let me tell you this, folks, as, as Christians, as believers, we have been blessed in America. Yeah. Have, you, have you counted your blessings? Have you, have you said thank you to God because, because you were not born in a country where you are persecuted in that type of way? Yeah. Let's thank the Lord. You know, tonight, I think about the country of China. 97 million professing Christians right now in the nation of China. And have you noticed that they're trying to get hard towards Christians even more so with burning church? They're, they're really uh, understanding the problem. They're understanding that they're saying that they expect by the year 2020, uh, excuse me, 2030, if the Lord tarries, they expect there to be as many as 300 million believers in China. 
But yet, what have they been trying to do? They have been trying to wipe out Christianity by destroying churches, by hauling off preachers to jail, by beating them and persecuting them. But each time they do, what happens? The church of Jesus Christ grows through that persecution. And more believers come. And folks, we have been so blessed in America that we've gotten lazy. We've gotten comfortable in our faith. I think 2020 was a wake-up call for the church of Jesus Christ. Let's get back to what we're supposed to be doing. Now, as I say that, that battlefield is a real battlefield. And folks, because of that, let's never take each day the Lord gives us for granted. It's a gift. God has given you this life. Yeah, folks, I went through COVID myself. I had it back in December. And many of you that saw the newsletter, you know, I had three weeks of it, and it was rough. I wouldn't wish it on anybody. It was rough, but I am a diabetic, and that, that adds to this situation. And uh, I was probably about 10 pounds lighter than what I am right now, but the Lord's helped me find that weight back. But it sure makes you think. It sure makes you appreciate. Appreciate things like just getting up and being able to move around to be able to breathe, to be able to eat. I didn't want to eat. Food was the last thing on my mind. My wife gave me a bowl of applesauce. The only thing I could taste was the spoon. <laughs> and that wasn't good, you know. That being said, for those of you that are even watching, many of you have gone through this, have experienced COVID, some of you firsthand, some of you have gone through very difficult, and I've lost some friends in the ministry to this sickness. It's real. And it's been devastating to many folks around this country, around this world. But here's the point, folks. We should never forget to thank God for the health He does give us. Amen. And tomorrow is not guaranteed. And because I just said that, that should be very clear to you and I as Christians, as believers, that we were not put on this earth for us. This life is not about ourselves. It's not about me, as I think there was even a song that said, it's about me. It's not about you. It's about Him. Amen. And believers, your life belongs to the Lord Jesus Christ. You are enlisted in His army. You are His soldier. One of the things I learned in the Air Force, I started at the bottom of the totem pole. And I got that T.I. in my face. I found out I was nothing but mud, and I didn't amount to much as he raked me over the coals in, in basic training in San Antonio. And then they, they, they say they tear you down so they can build you up. Well, I just got the tear down part. That's all I got. <laughs> but, you know, you, the thing that I found about this is I understood that I no longer could think for myself. I had to answer to my TI. I had to answer to my sergeant. I had to do what he told me to do. If I didn't, I got in some serious trouble. And that's, that's what we got to understand. When you enlisted in Christ's army, in the Lord Jesus Christ's army, you, you signed the line and said, I belong to you, Lord Jesus Christ. I am your soldier, and I will go and do what you want me to do. I am not going to live this life for myself. That being said, I'm not saying every person in this room is called to be a preacher or to be a missionary in a foreign land. You know, you might be scared tonight. So, oh, no, now God's going to call me to Africa or something, you know. And that may happen. God may call you to go to a foreign mission field. Praise God if he does. But the point is, 
God is using you where you are, and he wants to use you where you are, whatever you're doing as an occupation, wherever you live, because God has called you to be his soldier, to work for him, to do what he says. So as you understand this battle tonight that we're in, this battlefield, this battlefield is not a battlefield of the flesh. Uh, Let me say that again. This battlefield is not a battlefield of the flesh. It is a spiritual battle that is going on with you and I. Look with me in 2 Corinthians chapter 10. 2 Corinthians chapter 10. I want to look down at verses 3 through 6, if you would. The Apostle Paul, writing to the church at Corinth, says, For though we walk... In the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. Now, let me read that verse again. For though we walk in the flesh, Paul understands, listen, you and I are in physical bodies. We're going to be walking in the flesh. But what does he say? We do not war. The battlefield is not in the flesh. For our weapons are of, excuse me, for the weapons of our warfare are not, what? Carnal but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations and everything, every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God, and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ, and having in a readiness to revenge all disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled. Now I'm going to talk more about obedience tomorrow, but right now I want you to get this concept. Because, listen, I believe after the election took place in America, many Christians got disenfranchised. I I saw many, quote, prophets that got on the TV and said, uh, President Trump is going to serve a second term. And that was the prophecy. And, you know, there's still a lot of people out there who said, well, maybe he still is. I I don't know what's going on. And and you notice there was all kinds of conspiracy theories going on, right? And, and, And you don't know who to believe. I mean, you turn on this TV and, and you watch this station. You turn on this station. Well, well, who do you believe? Well, of course you believe Facebook, don't you? You believe the social media. They always tell the truth, don't they? Yeah. I mean, that is exactly where we were. And I think a lot of Christians got disenfranchised. They thought, well, I thought God was going to come through and give us Donald Trump for four more years. Well, let me ask you something, Christian. Why did you want Donald Trump for four more years? Because life was more comfortable? Hmm. Christians, if China Christians, Chinese Christians are suffering for the cause of Christ, and yea, all who will live godly shall what? Suffer persecution. Let us not think for one minute that we are exempt from persecution. And some Americans right now, or Christian Americans, are going through persecution, and I believe it's going to elevate, and I believe it's only going to get worse. So here it is. We can lose all hope and think, what am I going to do? And here's the problem. It's the battlefield of the mind. It's where our mind and where our thoughts are right now and what we're constantly thinking about. Look what he says. He says, um, I lost my place here. Just a second. Where was I at? Well, thank you. That means you were listening, okay? 2 Corinthians chapter 10, 
and verse 5. And he says, what is this? He says, I'm in 1 Corinthians, excuse me. He says, casting down what? Imaginations. You know what imaginations are? Things that we conceive in our mind that aren't necessarily true are real. We allow them to develop in our mind. I don't know about you, but I'm guilty of laying in my bed sometimes at night and thinking all kinds of crazy stuff. My mind will start to wonder and go places it doesn't need to go. And that is what we are guilty of if we allow our thoughts to take control of who we are and who we are in Christ Jesus. So we need to cast down those imaginations because first of all, let's back up. It says the weapons of our warfare are what? They're not carnal. The first thing we want to do because of our Second Amendment rights is what? Let's just take up the arms. Let's make sure we got plenty of ammunition. Let's go get a bazooka. Yeah. Let's go get an atom bomb. Hey, you know, and, and folks, and by the way, I want to say this about our forefathers. They, they were bold. And they knew that they had to, and, and folks, I, I took an oath to defend the Constitution of the United States. And I believe that, and I don't think when I got out of the Air Force that that stopped. But we, we love the Constitution because that, that is a Constitution our forefathers put together based upon the Word of God. Did you know that? And so that's why we defend that document. It's a precious document. When we see people overrunning it and believing it's not important, yeah, we need to stand up. But understand this, folks. The battle that we are in is not a carnal war. And the weapons that we would use in a carnal war will have no effect. That's why we need to use the spiritual weapons that God has given us because that's when things happen. And so we bring down, we cast down those imaginations, every high thing or the pride that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God. And then what we need to do, what? We bring into captivity Every thought to obedience of Christ. Every thought. Every thought. Do you realize what a lift that will be on you? Because what it is in our mind, in that battlefield, we carry things that we can't handle. And we worry about things that we can't control. Oh man, what's going to happen? Cost of oil is going to go up. We're going to be spending $5 a gallon for gasoline. We, we can't make it in this society. It's, it's horrible. And, and all these things start happening. And then what am I going to do? We start to worry and we get, what, ulcers? All kinds of things start happening to us physically because we're worrying about things that we have no control over, basically. You know, I mean, I like to look at it as like a chess game. Every one of us are pawns in that chess game. And if you know anything about chess, what's a pawn do? He moves one space. That's all he can do. Now, he can go diagonal to take the other guy if he's attacking. But for the most part, he can do his one space. Hey, but how about that bishop? The bishop can go diagonally as far as he wants to go. Hey, that funny-looking horse, they call him a rook. Well, he can go they, they call him a knight, and he can go up two spaces this way and one over this way. You see, he can move a lot more. The queen can go anywhere on that board she wants to go. But here we are, that little pawn. And maybe that's the way we feel sometimes. Like, I'm helpless. 
What can I do about all this? So much corruption in our society, so much corruption in our leadership. My vote doesn't count. What do we do? What do we do? And we can just throw in the towel and throw up the white flag and say, uh-oh, woe is me. But folks, I think God wants to remind us something here. He says, listen, when you relinquish your will to my will, that's called obedience. And when we get obedient, he says, according to the scripture I just read here, he says, when we get obedient, then he'll take care of the others that are disobedient. But right now, the body of Christ as believers, we got to get obedient to the Lord and what he's called us to do. Now, let's move on to the second point. Now, I'm going to move pretty fast with the others. We won't keep here till midnight. Promise. Okay? I want you to the second one is avoid becoming a POW. Avoid becoming a POW. Look at verse 4 again. It says, No man that warreth entangleth himself with the affairs of this life, that he may please him who hath chosen him to be a soldier. You know, POW is a prisoner of war, a person that gets captured through conflict. When you become a POW, you become a non-factor in the war. And you know what the devil wants to do with you and I? He wants to capture us. He wants to entangle us in the affairs of this life so that we become POWs and are non, uh, become a non-combatant in the war, where we have no effect. And that's how he does that. He, he does that so many ways. But one of the things he does is he wants us to try and, uh, and um, uh, get disillusioned and get our eyes and our focus off from where it needs to be for Americans especially, it's about things, possessions. You know, I know God's important. I know going to church is important. But, you know, I'll just show up on Sunday morning. I'll put my few little dollars in the plate. That God would be happy with that. And, and, and that we think that God's okay with that. That we don't have to put any more into it than just simply that. And then what do we do? We get caught up in the other affairs of life. Oh man, my neighbor just bought this really nice boat. And I can't let him outdo me. So I'm going to go down to the bank and borrow some money, and I'm going to get me a nicer boat. And as Americans, we have to have the best house. We have to have the best car. We have to, and, and listen, there, if God's blessed you, hey, I, I'm, not saying, I'm not against the material possessions. God blesses us with the material possessions. Be thankful for it. At the same time, do not allow that material possession to control you. And that's what happens in America, because what happens? We, we think we've got to have the latest and greatest stuff. <laughs> that's amazing to me. You go to town, and you're going to see all these long, metallic buildings with doors on them. And people come along, and they get a padlock, for those doors, and they pay a certain amount of money per month so that they can take stuff and put it in these little compartments. And why do they do that? Because they've accumulated so much stuff that they don't have room in their house. And so now we go to this little compartment once a month just to see what it looks like. We'll open it up and see what's there, maybe even take an inventory, then we'll close it back down and, okay, I did my stuff search for this week. And that's what happens. We are caught up in our stuff so much that we have to have another place to put it. 
Folks, again, what is most important to you and I? Is it the kingdom of God or is it the kingdom of man? And trying to keep up with the Joneses. And now, if there's some Joneses here tonight, I'm not picking on you, okay? But what is, what's important to us? You see, these kind of things, the devil can entangle us into the affairs of this life to the point we become POWs, to where we're prisoners of war that he's taken us, where we have no effect for the kingdom of God. And so if a soldier is weighted down, he cannot fight, and he makes an easy target for the enemy. One of the things that I've seen them do, you know, put on the big old backpack, and they got to carry a pack, and they got to carry their weapons, and they got to carry all this other stuff. By the time that soldier gets to the battlefield, he's worn out, and he's a great target. We do that, folks, in many ways. But look with me, Hebrews chapter 12. There's two ways specifically I want to give you. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1. It says, Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which doth so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us. All right, the Apostle Paul is not using the idea of a conflict of war, but now he's using the conflict of a run or a race. And he says, Listen, can you imagine a runner? with a backpack and all these other stuff, trying to run against somebody that doesn't have any of that on them? You're going to lose every time. I don't care if you're the fastest man in the world if you've got all that weight carried on you. That's right. And the problem is, Christians, we carry around all this extra weight that is keeping us from being everything that God will do through us if we would just get rid of it. Amen. So what does he say? He says, first of all, lay aside every weight or every care. You know, Philippians chapter 4, verse 6 says, Be careful for nothing. And I love the King James because it's a, it's a dictionary within itself. That word careful means full of care. You see, that's where people are today. They're full of care for everything around, and their life is crumbled because everything has changed in the government, and all these other things are happening, and, and now they can't move forward with their life. And so they've gotten full of care. They're caring about all these other things rather than remembering there are a lot of people that are dying and going to a, a devil's hell for all eternity when that's what we've been called to do, tell people about how Jesus died for them on a cross and that He loves them, that He rose again on the third day and He's coming again. Amen. You see, that is the cares of life we need to get rid of. But He also talks about something called a besetting sin. What is a besetting sin? A besetting sin is what you might call a habitual sin or a, a, a sin that is constantly keeping us from being everything that God would do through us. I'm not going to get on people's vices tonight and what people think. You, you know what I'm talking about. But you know also the difficulty of having a sin like that in your life and getting it out of your life. The devil knows it too. And he doesn't want you to get that out of your life because he knows the moment you do, you're going to become an effective soldier for Jesus Christ. And let me just say this. God will lay it on your heart and you'll know it if there is something in your life that doesn't need to be there. Because it is weighing you down and from being what God wants you to be. So soldiers, we don't want to be POWs. Amen? Then the third and last thing I'm going to share with you, then we'll close. Then we need to become a decorated soldier. 
become a decorated soldier. Look at what it says again in verse 4. It says, No man that warreth entangleth himself with the affairs of this life, that he may please him who have chosen him to be a soldier. I don't know about you. I want to please my Lord. I'm not a perfect vessel. And I'm so far from what I need to be with the Lord Jesus Christ. But I'm so thankful for His grace, for His mercy, and the fact He hasn't thrown me away like people throw away trash. He says, brother, I'm still going to use you. All we need to do is humble before Him But I want you to know something. The soldier is all about pleasing his master. We want to do things in our life that honor him and please him. There's so many religions today that are caught up in this idea of doing for God. And it's not the doing for God that pleases him. Some think, if I just flick my body, I flick my body, then maybe God will have compassion on me and he'll be pleased with that. Jesus took all the affliction for us when he died on the cross. That's silly. That's that's casting uh, aspirations on what Jesus did for us when he died on the cross and shed his precious blood. There are others that think, well, my life is about doing for the poor, feeding them, getting them some food, and, and helping them. And folks, we need to do those kind of things. But that's not what pleases God. Hebrews 11.6 says this, For without faith it is impossible to please Him. For he that cometh to God must believe that He is, and He is a rewarder of them that diligently seek Him. (laughs) You know what pleases God? When His soldiers have faith in Him. You know, sometimes an officer will have a platoon or will have a group that he's responsible for maneuvering. And he may have to give an order that the rest of them didn't understand. Hey, it's not for that soldier to try and understand what's going on. It's the soldier's duty to follow the orders that are given. Because there always is a reason for that order being given. So that being said, folks, sometimes in life, it doesn't make sense. We don't understand why God allows this to happen. Or why this person has to go through this particular situation. But you know what? If you believe God, through that word faith, that's what pleases Him. Say, well, I may not understand it, Lord, but I believe you, and I'm going to trust you. Can you imagine Abraham when he took Isaac up there on that mountain? He exhibited his faith, didn't he? And that's what pleased God. You see, we don't do things to earn our salvation or to show God how good we are. (laughs) But when we show our faith in Him and our trust in Him to know that no matter what life turns our way, that's when God wants to give us the decoration. That's when He rewards us because we've diligently sought Him and is working in our lives. Christian, tonight, let us be reminded that we're at war. And we're called to be enduring soldiers to go through the hardness of life because the way Christians go through hardness 
and the way the world goes through hardness are two different things. And when the world looks at us and says, wait a minute, and, and, I, and I share this story with you close. Back in Virginia, we had a, a church where we went to church there. There was a young couple that had a precious little baby girl, sweet little baby girl, and um, I believe it was about 18 months. It was a Saturday. I was with our sons that day, and I got the call that they had found their little baby girl dead in the crib. That's a shock to a parent. I don't know how a parent can handle that except through the grace of God. But let me tell you the specialness of this couple. Even though they couldn't understand what they had just went through, do you know where they were Sunday morning? They were up singing in the choir at church because they knew God was faithful. And there was a reason Folks, I don't know what you have to go through in life and what hardships you've had to face. And I can't tell you tonight that I know the reason why you did. But I do know this. There is a reason. And you may not have that answer on this side of eternity. But I do know this, that when you get to heaven, the Lord will say this, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Because he's pleased and he wants to decorate his soldier. Father in heaven, oh God, I'm so thankful tonight for your goodness. Lord, you want what's best for us as your soldiers. And God, help us to remind us what, what this war is all about, Lord. It's a spiritual war that we're in. Help us not to be entangled with the affairs of this life so that we can be useful and not POWs caught by the enemy to where we can minister and help others, Lord. Thank you for this church, Lord, that has been so faithful and sending out missionaries and, and supporting them through prayer and other ways. And thank you, Lord, for what you're doing in our presence even tonight. Lord, I pray tonight, if there's somebody in this room that has never trusted Jesus Christ as their personal Savior, I pray that they would come to know him tonight. Maybe there's a Christian going through a hard conflict right now in their life. Lord, I just pray through your spirit, that you'd give them the comfort that they need right now. God, we just say tonight that we love you. In Jesus' name, heads bowed and eyes still closed. Is there somebody in this room that would say, Brother Paul, tonight, I don't know for sure that I'm going to heaven, and I'd like you to remember me in prayer. Listen, I will not embarrass you. I will not come get you. That is not my objective. I just want to pray for you, and I won't call you out by name because I don't, probably don't even know your name, okay? But if you would say, Brother Paul, I'm not sure that I'm going to heaven. I'd like you to pray for me. Would you just slip your hand up where I can see it? Anyone like that tonight? Anyone like that? Somebody tonight say, Brother Paul, God has spoken to my heart tonight, and I'd like to be remembered in prayer. Is there somebody like that? Would you just slip your hand up? God bless you. Yes. God bless you. Others? God bless you. Yes. God bless you. Yes. I see that. Any others? Any others? We're going to have an invitation in just a moment. And if God has spoken to your heart, I want to encourage you. This is the altar that God has given us. And you might want to come and pray at this altar tonight. There's many ways that we can come to this altar tonight. Maybe it's just something between you and the Lord you need to take care of. And I find that there's a lot, of, there's a lot more um, emphasis when we do come before. Also, I want to say tonight, it may be that you would want to come pray for something else or somebody else that you're concerned about tonight. Maybe you just want to come pray for this nation.
and that God would make you the soldier that you need to be. I'm just going to ask you to be obedient during that invitation. Father in heaven, again, I pray for these that have raised their hands. Lord, you know what they're going through in this life. And you know what the need is, dear God. And so, God, I just pray that you'd meet that need as we see you work tonight. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Hello, friends. This is Pastor Keegan Hall of Indian Gap Baptist Church of Indian Gap, Texas. If you'd like to contact us, you can do it at IndianGapBaptist.com. On the internet, it's IndianGapBaptist.com. But I have a question for you. If you died tonight, do you know if you would go to heaven? You know, if you're not sure, let me show you a few verses out of the Bible so you can know if you have eternal life. The Bible says in 1 John chapter 5, verse 13, These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life, and that you may believe on the name of the Son of God. So that verse tells us there that you can know you have eternal life. And I want to show you how you can know that. Jesus Christ talked in John chapter 3 verse 16. And most people have heard this verse. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Now it's an amazing verse of course talking about how God gave Jesus Christ as a gift to the world. But Verse 17 and 18, he went on to say something interesting. For God sent not his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. So the whole reason Jesus Christ came into this world was to save you and to save me and you. But in verse 18, he says something that's amazing. He says that he that believeth on him is not condemned. He's stressing a faith. It's putting your faith into Jesus Christ. But he says there in verse 18, but he that believeth not is condemned already because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. So he says you're condemned already if you haven't believed in Jesus Christ. It's not like you're going to go to heaven and you're going to stand before God and you're going to have God put your good deeds on the scale and your bad deeds on, on the other side of the scale and he's going to weigh it and if you've been a good enough person down on this earth that he'll let you into heaven. It doesn't work that way. Jesus Christ is real explicit here to say that you're condemned already. You need a Savior right now. The same chapter down in verse 36, it says, He that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life. It goes back to a believe, putting your faith in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. But the verse continues, And he that believeth not the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abideth on him. See, it's going on right now. You need a Savior right now. You need to be saved from a devil's hell. Paul sums it up real good here in Romans chapter 10, verse 9. That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. It's putting your faith in Jesus Christ from the heart. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and then with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. It's very important to confess Jesus Christ because the mouth shows where the heart's at. And in verse 13, he sums it up, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. So friends, as simple as just bowing your head and saying a prayer, something like this. Lord, I know I'm a sinner. I know you died on the cross for my sins. I believe you can came up from the grave and are alive right now listening to me. I invite you into my heart to save me. Please save me, Lord Jesus. Amen. If you prayed something similar to that, we'd love to hear from you. You can contact us at IndianGapBaptist.com.
And God bless you. And until next time. Casting all your care upon him.